Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. See, obviously, we're outside at the Falcons practice facility. I think one of the first things you notice is that it's more than one football field. So first thing that jumps to your mind is how we can do physical distancing here. The upcoming NFL season is scheduled to start on September 10th. And like we've seen with a lot of other professional sports leagues, things won't be the same. Just picture game day without the raucous crowds, without the packed sidelines, without the even simple gesture of a high five. But if we want football back in our lives, if we think it's worth it, this might be the only way to do it. Recently, I got a chance to go exclusively inside the Atlanta Falcons training complex and to see the changes the players will face before they even hit the field. Normally, you'd have a lot of staff around supporting. As we've mentioned, we're only going to have 100 people credentialed to be anywhere in the football side of the facility. So a lot fewer people, and they'll be spread out. Uh, Our motto has been fewer and farther, and we think that's an important safety message. Dr. Alan Sills has been the NFL's chief medical officer since 2017. And he's a fellow neurosurgeon. While he was brought on to talk more about concussions, during this COVID-19 crisis, Dr. Sills has now been instrumental in designing the league's safety protocols, which could allow a return to play this fall. In this episode, he talks me through what measures the NFL is taking to try and keep teams healthy. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. And this is Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. The NFL's 32 teams are composed of thousands of players, coaches, trainers, nutritionists, and other staff. Monitoring this many people's symptoms and interactions will be a huge task. But Dr. Sills has been preparing now for months. I started by asking him about a necessity of preventing spread, diagnostic testing. Yeah, well, let me say a couple things about testing globally first. I I think, first of all, uh, we're not going to test our way to safety either as the NFL or as society. And what I mean by that is testing is very important, but it's clearly not the only factor. And I think sometimes people think of testing to say, well, if we all get tested and everyone's negative, now we can just go to football as usual and not have to worry about all that other stuff. We don't have to worry about PPE or distancing and so forth. Uh, we think that's very flawed thinking. We think of testing on a surveillance basis, meaning that we're trying to do it repeatedly over time so that we can quickly identify anyone who might be newly infected, get that individual isolated away from the team, make sure they get the appropriate treatment, care, and support that they need, but try to prevent a more widespread outbreak. What was also really important to us was to make sure that whatever we came up with in terms of testing did not have any negative impact on the healthcare system, on the test supply, or the the test reagents uh, available in this country. And that's been a concern of ours from day one, and it will be throughout the course of the season. There is a shortage of testing, and we did some rough math. And, and, you know, if you look at the testing plan here, it's about, just for the players, about 18,000 tests per week and about 80,000 tests for the month of August, roughly. And that doesn't even count the staff. 
Well, I mean, how could that not have an impact on the availability of, of more widespread general testing? Clearly, there are procedural issues with that around the country. What we've tried to do to address that is a couple things. One is we contracted with a national company because we did not want any of our teams having to go in market and in any way affect that local healthcare system. They actually opened up some laboratory capabilities that weren't being used um, just for this project um, and also set up, again, supply and distribution and, and um, testing reporting that's completely separate from any healthcare work that they do. And as I said, if that changes over time, then we'll have to adjust. We'll either have to adjust the frequency and, 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 and work that we're doing with testing or, or make another arrangement because clearly, you know, that's a commitment of ours. I'd say also we both expect that testing is going to get better uh, meaning that we're going to have more accurate tests and tests that have shorter turnaround times. And so I think that's an important part of our, our uh, approach as well is to constantly evaluate what we're doing. We're also going to share the data that we learn from our testing. You know, we've, we've had clearly a lot of interest from public health authorities who say that by the NFL, we're going to have a, a really broad snapshot across 32 different communities of people. Not again, not just players, but coaches and staff that's going to give us a snapshot about what's going on. How often are people going to get tested? So on the current protocol, uh, all players and staff will be tested daily for the first two weeks. If the How did you decide daily? That was something that really that our players felt very strongly about. Um, the players uh, felt, based on their experience and what they've been seeing in other professional sports leagues, that, um, that they wanted as they first came together with this period of people coming from different parts of the country and the world, that they wanted very frequent surveillance. Um, over that first two weeks. And we're going to then look at the outcomes from that. And if we have below certain thresholds, then we would go to an every other day testing cadence. The, 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 the surgical question in all this, I guess, is, so what do you do if people start to, to test positive? How are you going to handle that, especially given that, you know, physical distancing and football are not really compatible? Sure. They will have come in contact with, with a lot of people, presumably. First of all, we fully expect to have positive cases. Um, we would love it if we didn't, but if you look at the state of the pandemic right now, I think when players all gather together, we can expect a large number of positive cases. That's certainly been the experience of other professional sports leagues. It's been the experience of colleges and universities that brought in groups of athletes. So I expect we'll have a lot of positive cases at the start. As we mentioned, our goal is to quickly identify those, get them appropriately treated and isolated, and then begin this regular testing cadence, which hopefully then would identify any newly positive cases. The, the players and, and the staff, for that matter, they're not in, in a bubble like we've sort of heard from the NBA, right? They're still going to be able to go back and forth to their families uh, and things like that. So there's always potentially new introductions of the infection. You're going to test a lot, for sure, but that, that seems like it's going to be a constant sort of surveillance thing. They, they, once you get inside the bubble in the NBA, for example, the presumption is that there hopefully aren't any new introductions of the virus. You can't, you can't say that here, right? No, but I, I think that you and I both recognize that, that a, a bubble is very difficult to maintain over time. You know? um, and so we thought that given the length of our season and the nature of the sport, it, it just was not sustainable over a six-month period of time. However, I think we have what we call a virtual bubble, which means that we're really focusing on what do our players and coaches and staff do when they're away from the team facility? Obviously, when they're at the team facility, they'll have uh, precautions from the time they arrive to the time they leave. But uh, when they're away from the team facility, it is incredibly important that they take all steps to continue to mitigate risk. And so that points back to something else that's really important to us, which is education. 
Um, we will be doing education not only for our players, but for their uh, household members as well. Because one of the things that we've recognized with this virtual bubble is everybody in that team ecosystem, as we call it, they're going to share risk, right? Players, coaches, staff, if they're around each other each day, they're going to share risk. So we're not asking people to do anything that's inconsistent with what we think is, is, is really important public health guidance. And I think the other thing about that is you mentioned that football and physical distancing don't go together. We've said that repeatedly. Um, but I do think that we recognize that on the field component is a very small part of the overall week of a, of a player, coach, or staff. So we need to be doing everything we can off the field to minimize risk. Also, we hope that our testing and surveillance program means that people who arrive on the field are not infected. And then even on the field, there are things that we can do to further minimize risk, not training as a large team unit, training in separate groups, separate areas of the field. We believe this, this face shield that we've talked about adding to the helmets can provide some protection against respiratory droplets. So even though we can't do physical distance in football, we think there are some positive and affirmative things we can do to reduce risk on the field as well. I am really fascinated by this idea of, uh, I guess you describe it as a full face shield with a mask embedded in it. Right. When you first heard that idea, uh, how, how did it strike you? Did, did you? did you think it was a feasible sort of path forward? I thought it was the dumbest idea I'd ever heard. I really did. I didn't see any way it would work. But, you know, we've got a lot of really smart engineers uh, that work with the league and the Players Association, and they started working with engineers in some of these uh, optical companies and started working on a product. And they brought in some drawings and some prototypes, and I started looking at it and thinking, you know, this might just very well work and also be very effective. So a number of our players have worn eye shields uh, over the past years uh, for protection or for performance reasons. So it's basically an extension of that device, but it's a multi-layered device so that you've got ventilation holes and you've got some filters in it. Obviously, the big concern is can you get enough air in and out because, you know, playing a very physical sport like football, there's a lot of heavy breathing that goes on. So our engineers have been working with players about some of these prototypes, and I'm really excited about the progress, and I think that they're going to find something that offers some protection and doesn't hinder performance, which is obviously, I think, a, a real useful adjunct. So um, I've, I've become a believer in the product, and, and we're working very hard. We're getting them in the hands of as many players as possible to get this feedback, continue to evolve and improve that product over time. There's been some concern that players have raised. I'm sure you saw Russell Wilson talking about the fact that, look, maybe it's not me, but I got a pregnant wife at home. Is it worth the risk? And it gets back to this very basic point. I mean, you're a doctor. They're coming to you for that medical expertise. Uh, this isn't essential, right, Alan? I mean, I love football, but it, it could hardly be considered essential. How do you balance that then? I think that's an individual choice that every person has to make, just like all our patients that you or I would see in our office. If they come in and they have a condition um, and they seek our opinion, we give them our best understanding of the facts. We talk about, for example, a surgery and how we plan to minimize those risks, but what those risks are. And then we let those patients evaluate and make that decision for themselves. And when they're presented with those facts, some patients will choose to have the surgery and some might not. Um, and, and that's, I think, the role of the patient, not the role of the physician to make that decision for them. So I think this has to be approached very much the same way. And the NFL and the NFL Players Association, we've encouraged players to have those dialogues with their family, with their own healthcare providers, with the team physicians. And, and we think that players, coaches, staff, everyone's going to need to make those decisions and will do so with thoughtful advice and counsel from those medical professionals that they trust. The NFL has also been going back and forth with its players' union as they plan for a return to the field. Marie Smith is the executive director of the players' union. 
and recently told CNN his members still have concerns, not just for themselves, but also for their families. They need to step up their game um, in communicating directly with the families um, about how to deal with changed circumstances. And most importantly right now, um, how the league is making a decision about whether and to what extent uh, to operate in states uh, where we know the virus, the increase in, in infections, the decrease in hospital beds, and in some cases, the exhaustion of ICU beds. Those are things where the league needs to step up and do a better job informing our membership about the factors that they are going to use to make decisions about operating in those hotspot areas. Smith is hoping the NFL will agree to holding weekly meetings for players' families, which wasn't a necessity six months ago, but now it's a high priority. Fortunately and unfortunately, the NFL isn't the only organization having to accommodate for the pandemic. Dr. Sills told me he has sought help from experts around the world in developing the league's safety protocols. One of the things I like to say is when the NFL calls, people generally would like to help. And so we've had great collaboration, not only with our Players Association and their medical directors, but with infectious disease experts, with epidemiologists, with population health specialists. I also have regular communication with sports leagues around the world. So, you know, we're talking to Australian rules football and the Bundesliga and the English Premier League medical officials and asking, what are you learning? What would you do differently? How did this go for you? So I think one of the, one of the gratifying things about this is to see that sports medicine community really come together and collaborate. Because again, What's good for the NFL is good for the NBA, is good for Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, NHL. We're all in this together. Um, and, and what's good for pro sports, as I said before, is going to be good for the country at large. And, and just finally, if I'm watching a game this, this fall, and I will definitely be watching if, if, if there are games, is it going to look different to me if I'm watching on television? There's not going to be fans for the most part. Uh, if I'm watching on television, will it look like a different game? Yeah, one of our athletic trainers, I think, said it best, and he said, it's not going to feel normal because it's not going to be normal. Nothing about our operation is going to be normal. Our game day is not going to be normal. Our practices aren't going to be normal. Our facilities aren't going to be normal. Our travel's not. Everything is, is going to be different because we've had to reimagine all of this through that lens of risk mitigation. So I think it will look different. I mean, sure, there are going to be 11 guys on each side of the ball, and there's still going to be 10 yards for a first down. But you're going to see officials in, in masks, and you're going to see, as you said, no fans, and you're going to see you know, a very, very much more empty sideline without people that you'd normally see uh, on the sideline. So I think we have to just accept that all of those are, are going to be differences, um, but they're all different for one reason, and that's to mitigate risk for everybody involved. But I think that we can still find a path forward to find something that mitigates risk but yet does provide excitement, enjoyment, and entertainment for everybody, which is what we all love about the NFL and, and sports in general. Look, I miss watching football, but I don't think I miss it enough that I want athletes unnecessarily put in danger. I know billions of dollars are at stake for the NFL. It's the richest sports league in the world, which is a pretty significant motivator to hold the season. But the players are what make people watch, and they should be put first. I know I'm not the only one who's going to be paying close attention to how all this goes. If you have questions, please record them as a voice memo and email them to asksanjay at cnn.com. We might even include them on the next podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening.
quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 